Psalm 34:10 says this, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in one of any good thing. God moment number 10, he still gives manna. This is Sean and the Word. Man, it's so good to be with you. God bless you. Welcome back to Sean and the Word. It is an honor to be with you again. We're talking about God moments. And when I talk about God moments, I'm talking about times in my life that the Lord showed up in a mighty way. Not every one of these, as you have heard throughout the series, has been moments that have been the best times of my life. A lot of them have been real struggles. Moments where the Lord truly stepped in and made a difference to help me and to keep me. You know, in Psalm 34, we see David, this situation in the, in the context of what's taking place. David had gone through a tough season and time in his life where he ran from Saul and ended up in the region of the Philistines near the area of Gath. Someone recognized him and captured him and brought him before Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. David was about to be slaughtered for what, what he had done to Goliath and all of those Philistines. The, 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 they had heard the songs that all of Israel were singing. You know, Saul killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And we see that, that David was very famous and popular. People knew that David was going to be the king of Israel, knew that God had a plan for his life, a calling in his life. And so they brought David before the king. And so David had to really come up with something really quick or he was about to die. And David started to act crazy. The Bible says that he had spit flow down his beard onto his face and all over his chin. You can almost imagine that saliva was going on his clothes and, and it was pretty nasty. The king Solomon looked at David and was like, who is this, a madman? I have plenty of these guys in my land. I don't need any more crazy people. I don't need another madman. So the king dismissed David and allowed him to go and, and leave without any issues. When David got alone, he penned Psalm 34. He wrote Psalm 34. He wrote, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. You see, David realized that the Lord never, ever leaves his people. Yeah, the situation he was in was appeared to be tough and appeared to be as though David had to fake and lie to get out of a situation. But his testimony as recorded in Psalm 34 is that the Lord showed up and that the Lord helped him. He loved that the Lord, he loved the Lord and, and he walked with God. And David understood that the Lord always keeps his people. Two times in just two verses here, in verse 9 and in verse 10, a statement about the Lord providing and not, not withholding any good thing from those who fear the Lord and seek him. David clearly made known that just because of a situation was hard or challenging, it was not void of God and his promises and his provision. Listen to that again. David clearly knew and made known that just because a situation was hard, was challenging and difficult, it was not void of God and his promises and provision. For someone who wants to walk with God and give them all that their tomorrows, this has to become a reality, reality to you. 
you have to have this cemented in your heart and your mind. The Lord does not leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. If you want to surrender to God's calling, if you have a a place in your heart that says, I just want to walk with God and I want God to use my life, you have to have this cemented. It's got to be a reality to you that God will not withhold any good thing. He will give you what you need. Even when nothing is what you need, he gives you what you need. You see, in 2008, when the Lord called me to serve him full time, as I said in the last God moment, I knew I was about to go through a season of toughness, but I had no idea what awaited me. I just knew the Lord had called me to serve him at the church I was serving at, and now he was clearly calling me to serve him full time at it. So to not serve the Lord full time at this church was for me to be outside of the will of the Lord. The church did not have the funds to pay me. So for me to serve the Lord there full time, it was really going to be a move of faith. I would start a journey that would take me from walking in my own ability and my own strength to one of faith. When I got out of college, I was working construction to earn money so that I can live. Nothing wrong with bivocational ministry. But the Lord was calling me, as in Acts chapter 17, Paul says the Lord called him to to, to put aside the tent making and just to focus solely on the ministry. And I was at this point in my journey, my walk of faith. God was calling me to serve him full time with all that I had, all that I was in this church. For for, For me... I had uh, done construction since I was 14 years old, you know, and for somebody like me that lived in America doing construction, you have this thought process. If you work hard enough, you will earn enough to get what you want and what you need. All that, that whole thought process, that whole ideology, that whole worldview that, that I was ingrained inside of me was about to be broken and removed. I took that labor mentality with me in serving the Lord full time and, and, and would start my days as early as I could. And I would work late, late into the night. I, I remember every day, every night, every night and day, every day and night, early, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, all the way until 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, I had this work mindset, this labor mindset. And with that work mindset, labor mindset, there's an underlying expectation of a paycheck or receiving what you think you earn or deserve. Uh, Some type of money, some type of benefits, something you like, I've done this, this, and this, and I deserve this, this, and this because I've worked, I've earned it. That's the same mentality that that second brother had in the prodigal son story. He never enjoyed the father. He was working. He says, I've done all that you've commanded. I've been a faithful son. I've never left. I've been out here working in the fields. I've had this labor mentality. God was shifting me from this labor mentality, this work-based ministry that that he was entrusted to me to be in a faith-based ministry. A huge difference. Not saying that we don't work. Not saying that we aren't early to rise and late to bed or first and last to leave. 
But to say that the expectation, that underlying hidden agenda that's ingrained, that was ingrained deep within me, God was about to break that labor mentality. So when when that mentality, how he began to break it was uh, <laughs> no money was coming in. I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> I wasn't getting paychecks. I wasn't getting anything. My bills were backing up. Uh, food was almost non-existent. Man, it became real hard. It really be a test of my, my faith and really what God had called me to do. The Lord was truly teaching me and undoing the layers of beliefs and systems that had been grained into me over the years from uh, my, my from society, from my worldview as an American, from my upbringing. He was just undoing all these layers, kind of like one of them layered biscuits that you get from Pillsbury, and it's got all these layers. And God was just undoing all these layers of the world, the mindsets of the world, and it was really reshaping me to the man he was calling me to be. During this time of the Lord undoing all this, the Lord showed me that he was going to bring my friend Judd Hatfield to come and work with me. And I, I was praying one night and I, I saw Judd and the Lord says, you know, he was there and the Lord said not to touch him. That is basically for a season that he would come for a season and then he would go for a season. And so I knew that that was going to happen. And as soon as I knew that was happening, the Lord really spoke to Judd's heart. Didn't even talk to Judd. Judd was on a 40-day hike with my friend Joey, and they were having a good time learning. And God really began to stir Judd's heart uh, about working with me. And, and Judd called me and uh, said, hey, uh, uh, I think the Lord is leading me to come and serve with you. And uh, I said, well, the, the same thing here, man. I really believe that God wants you to come down here and work with me. So Judd and I have went to college together. We served in two-way together for many years. We we're real close friends, my best friend. And uh, to have him working with me down in the land was really an honor. It was an honor to learn from Judd. God really used Judd to teach me so many different things. Judd is probably the most godliest man that I know. And when he came down, I, I explained to him that, hey, man, we're about to live in a different situation. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be by faith. I explained how the Lord was really undoing so much of what the world from my mind and life had been on there. But the Lord's really undoing all that. He was undoing those layers. And uh, I could freshly and purely understand him and his ways. Judd moved into my apartment, and uh, <laughs> he was sleeping on the on the couch for a while. But one day when we were coming home from church, we saw this mattress. Judd told me, man, don't ever tell nobody this. But uh, we saw this mattress on the side of the road. And, you know, Judd comes from a wonderful family that, you know, they've always had clean mattresses and blessed home. And, you know, the Lord's always been good to them where they were able to have, you know, different things that a normal family would have. So I said, Judd, look at that mattress. He says, load it in the back. <laughs> and we loaded it in the back. We didn't even sanitize that thing. I didn't wash it. We just brought it home and threw some sheets on it. And that's where Judd slept, man. Judd slept on the, that little mattress on the floor in my bedroom for for a very long time and it was just this is pretty special we're two young sold out hard-working men who simply wanted jesus to be exalted and glorified in every area of our life we did not get paid we were not doing it for glamour 
We were just serving God with a pure heart as God would just begin to teach us how to walk by faith, how to serve him by faith, how to get rid of hidden agendas and expectations from serving him. One afternoon, man, our our bills were backing up and we're on the verge of our lights being shut off at our apartment and we come home and we were about to eat, but there's no food. And I said, Judd, you know, honestly, man, I, this is one of those, you know, clarity moments where, Joe, we really need to pray, man. We're This is way harder than we think. We need a miracle. And so but I remember me and Judd sat down at the table and we prayed. We prayed for God to provide for our apartment and for our electric and for food. And, and right after we got done praying, we were talking a little bit and my phone rang. My sister calls and she says, hey, do y'all want some pancakes? Now, this was not a strange uh, happening because a lot of times people know that, hey, there's these two young guys who don't have any money and they're serving, you know, and a lot of people would feed us. My family, my sister, my mom, you know, just a lot of people would always pitch in and say, hey, y'all, y'all need anything? And my sister's like, y'all, need, y'all want some pancakes? <laughs> I'm like, man. We love pancakes. Absolutely. We'll be over. She's like, nah, nah, I'm not cooking pancakes. She says, my friend, her husband drives a semi truck and the the air conditioning in the semi truck broke down and he has pallets full of pancakes and they're all going to go bad. And instead of throwing them away, he wants to give them to you. And I'm like, what? And she's like, do you want them? I was like, yeah, yeah, we want them. So Judd and I drove over there. In our truck, and uh, he had pallets. I'm talking about pallets of frozen pancakes and a couple boxes of toasted strudels. I don't think made it two days. But we began to load up these boxes and frozen pancakes in these in our truck inside and out. I mean, we couldn't barely drive. We loaded the inside cab out, the outside, it was stacked up. And Judd counted and calculated. And he says, if we ate three pancakes each for an entire year, there'd be more than enough. <laughs> three pancakes apiece for over a year. That's a lot of pancakes. We came home. And we're like, man, this is like manna from heaven. You know, it's bread-like and it's sweet to the taste. Oh, pancakes. <laughs> so we go back to our apartment. We load, we, we load up our freezer. We load up our refrigerator. And we load up all the cabinets. And we still got a truck full of pancakes. And we said, well, let's go to the church. We went to the church. We loaded up the freezer. We loaded up the refrigerator. And we loaded up the cabinets. And we're like, man, we got pancakes. And I always wondered, you know, I always wondered, Lord, why pancakes? <laughs> you Couldn't you have done, like, something a little bit more healthier, you know? We, we never had syrup. We never had any butter. We just had pancakes. But I'm going to tell you, man, they were good. And there was enough in there to last us and to sustain us. We ate, ate, and ate too much pancakes. God supernaturally provided an abundance, and we were so thankful. It was a miracle. One morning, Judd and I went to go to the church, and as we did every morning, we reached into the cabinet. We started with the cabinet and was working our way to the refrigerator with the pancakes, and we were taking our daily rations of pancakes and putting them in the microwave, and I said, man, Judd, look. I got blueberries in my pancakes. I didn't even know we had blueberries. Chuck goes over there and looks. He goes, man, that's crazy. I wonder if we got any more. 
And we're reading the box, and the box doesn't say blueberries, but the pancakes got blueberries on them. And we're just, and the judge's like, man, I don't think they're blueberries. I think that's mold. Oh, man, then it, it, it dawned on us. Duh, that's why they gave us the pancakes. <laughs> the pancakes were supposed to be frozen. And here we are days later, if not a week and a half later, and we have them in cabinets. We're like, man, we really need to do something with these pancakes or we're basically going to lose them all. Well, I said, well, why don't we put them in the microwave and heat them up and then bring them around to the homeless people? And I'm like, well, that's a great idea, but let's go a little bit further and let's invite the homeless people to the church, share the gospel with them, and then give them the pancakes. All of a sudden, God, from these pancakes, a homeless ministry would be birth for our city and our community. That Wednesday, we set up shop to do the first homeless ministry outreach. I went around to some different camps, homeless camps with Pastor Williams and several others, Pastor Judd, and we shared with them the gospel. We invited them, told them we were going to have pancakes uh, a couple of days from then on Wednesday. And uh, on Wednesday morning, we were in the Walmart parking lot, and I saw a homeless man begging. I rolled my window down. I said, hey, man, today at Northside Baptist Church, we're going to have some pancakes and uh, some dinner for you and, you know, some clothes. If you need anything, you just come, man. If you need a shower or something, just come on. And I told him what time, and he's like, all right, man, I'll be there. I'll be there. So we prepared eggs. I cooked eggs, scrambled eggs, the only thing I know how to cook, and some pancakes. And we waited for people to show up. No one showed up but Anthony. Anthony was that gentleman we saw at the, the homeless man we saw at the Walmart begging. And we just said, hey, come. He shows up. So it's Sean, me, Judd, and Anthony. We sat Anthony down. I sang a couple of choruses. What a mighty God we serve. And then I began to preach as if there was 3,000 people listening. I began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and how when we give our life to him, when we attach to him by faith, that he, he gives us a new life. He causes us to be born again. I gave an invitation asking if anybody wanted to be born again, if anybody wanted this new life to just raise their hand or stand up and let's, let's do it together. Anthony, I'm looking around me and just staring at Anthony. And Anthony raises a hand, stands up, and he says, you know, I really, really need a new life. I really want to be born again. And there Anthony prayed and surrendered his life to Christ. God totally touched Anthony's life. And that day, in a very special way, and from that day, Anthony had a past, man. Anthony lost some fam, lost his family on two different occasions. He had different families and lost them on two different occasions because of his drug addiction to cocaine, crack cocaine. He got kicked out of some rehabs, got kicked out of different places, lost jobs, restarted from his family. I mean, this just had an awful life. But from that day, God really began to work in Anthony's life, really began to turn things around. Now, we loved Anthony. Judd and I really loved Anthony. We watched Anthony grow and fall more in love with Jesus, always in church with us. He was very, very uplifting, and he struggled, but, you know, he wasn't perfect. 
But boy, he just kept pursuing Jesus. From that night, for the next six plus years, every Wednesday night, we held dinners for homeless people and needy families. 60 to 100 people almost every Wednesday were fed. And, and, and on top of that, they heard the word of God. They worshiped with us and they experienced the move of God in their life. We've seen so many homeless people and, and drug addicts and alcoholics be transformed and restored back into society as a, as a men and women of God. God truly blessed our time there. God truly opened up heaven and poured out the manna from heaven upon the lives and hearts. From these boxes of pancakes, there was never, never a burden, even a a, a small burden of of the, the 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 meals not being able to be met. God provided every week supernaturally. We wasn't getting paid. We ended up losing our apartment. Ended up having so much other difficulties in our lives financially. But not one Wednesday was we without food. Truly, manna from heaven God did it you see even in the midst of an awful tough situation we still knew the Lord was near and we still knew that he was at work and we still knew that he was calling us for his glory and a greater good he was teaching us we were learning as the message Translation renders Psalm 3410 like this. Young lions, they prowl and get hungry, but God's seekers are always full of God. See, what he's saying is that even the ferocious lions could go out looking for food and come up empty. But those who seek God are always satisfied. And this is what God was beginning to bring me. To stop trying to do things on my own. Because doing things on my own had the potential of coming up short. Coming up empty. If I would just seek Him, I would always be satisfied by Him. Even when He gives you nothing, He's still giving you something because that's what we need. And this journey of faith was beginning to take me to new heights as the Lord prepared me for something greater and I don't know where you are today I don't know what you're dealing with or what you're struggling with maybe you've coming up empty on a lot of areas of your life maybe the Lord's wanting to bring you to a deeper walk where you could trust him with your with everything with all your tomorrows maybe you've tried it on your own and as I said earlier you just come up empty But if you seek Him, the promise stands. You'll be filled. You'll be satisfied. He withholds no good thing from those who seek Him. And Father, we love You. And Jesus, we thank You for making a way that we can seek You. And that we can be filled with You. And Lord, we thank You that You still bring manna from heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you have never, not once failed us or forsaken us. Lord, even in the midst of tough situations, dark days, and hard roads, 
you are nearer, closer than we can ever imagine. And you're bringing us for your glory and for a greater good. Teach us, Lord, not to rely on our own understanding or walk in our own strength. For in that, Lord, comes the potential of emptiness or lack. Help us, Lord, to be men and women who seek you, who long for you, who put all of our marbles and eggs and life and situations and tomorrows in your basket in your hands, knowing you withhold no good thing for those who serve you, who seek you, who want you. We love you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Boy, it's always good to be with you. God bless you real good. I love you. God bless you all the way. And I'll see you next time on Sean and the Word.